Hi, folks. Keith Jones here. You're fixing to listen to Front Row Knowles on the podcast. But before we get started, we want to thank the Champions Club and specifically Seminole Boosters for sponsoring our podcast that allows us to bring the podcast to you commercial-free. You know, we are one tribe. We are unconquered. In the last uh, few years, Florida State has built a tradition of excellence. But right now, all of us that are Seminoles are facing a challenge. We've got 20 sports programs, all the coaches, student athletes that are involved. We've got some budget cuts that we're trying to uh, work through due to the pandemic. And right now, we need you. In order to provide all of our teams and student athletes with the best possible opportunity for success, we need your help. We need you to join Seminole Boosters. We need you to renew your membership. We need you to increase your contribution. We need you to consider making a gift. We don't talk heavy-handed like this much, but this is the time to be a little heavy-handed. Help us out. Help Florida State out. Help Florida State boosters out. And most of all, we want to continue to thank the boosters and specifically the Champions Club for sponsoring us and bringing Front Row Knowles to you. Stay tuned and listen. Thanks. Broadcasting from the Prime Meridian Bank Studios in the capital city of Tallahassee, this is Front Row Knowles First Look with Tom Block and Keith Jones. Front Row Knowles First Look is presented by Hobson Chevrolet in Cairo, Georgia. Get your best deal the Hobson way. Here's Tom and Keith. Good day, everybody. Tom and KJ back with you. This is Front Row Knowles First Look. Keith, it's been a while since we've done one of these type shows. Florida State gets a win over the number five team in the country. You can debate whether or not that was truly the number five team, but the records will forever show that it was the number five team. And regardless, it was a big win and the, the first signature win of the Mike Norvell era. A win is a win is a win. It doesn't matter against two, and it doesn't matter how. And most, if not all, Florida State fans uh, will just be happy with the fact that you've gotten a win over a quality opponent. Uh, wasn't so sure they were going to hold on there at the end, but uh, they did finish it out. And uh, as you say, uh, a big win for the program and a signature win for Coach Norvell. His first ACC win, one of the things we've learned being around this for a while, Keith, and we're not going to do the nitpick show because there's too much to appreciate about this win, even though there were a lot of flaws in that win. You never apologize for a win. So, so what if North Carolina dropped a couple passes, they – perhaps should have caught at the end of the game. You don't apologize for it. You walk away and you enjoy the win and you build from there. Or bring up to your partner that it wasn't two, it was three drop passes. But nevertheless, (laughs) the point holds true. Uh, A win (laughs) is a win is a win. Well, let's, let's look at back at the first half. I mean, I, I I do think, and, and we'll, we'll get into this. I do think that Florida state was literally this close that first drive of the third quarter, if they get a touchdown when it's first and goal, the three, they were they were that close to North Carolina's waving the flag, and it's it's going to be name your score time. Because I think if you get to 38-7, I mean, Carolina may put up some numbers because Howell's a good quarterback and it's a good offense, but that game's never in doubt. Agreed. Uh, and I thought main, mainly that was the most disappointing thing because uh, when, when you get up big on an opponent – uh, and you've, you've won the toss, uh, you've deferred, you've scored, what, 31 points in the first half, and you get that opening drive. Great teams take that ball down and score and put the game out of reach. Uh, we saw Clemson do that on Saturday. Uh, you see other great teams do that. Uh, Alabama had to wait until the second half uh, to put up 21 straight points on Georgia. 
but the great teams do that. Now, by no stretch of the imagination should anyone think I'm suggesting that Florida State is a great team, but it does illustrate and put on tape that you can go back and reference that uh, the progress that Coach Norvell's talking about, there are still a lot of things to clean up, but I agree with you. You score on that first drive of quarter three, and you probably put that game away. There's a lot to reflect back on, and we will do that. You know the drill. We'll hear from Coach Norvell momentarily. Have to really be pleased with the coaching staff's creativity on offense. I mean, they are getting as much mileage as they can out of Jordan Travis, and to win that without Tamari and Terry, we'll touch on that. Defensively, it was far and away the best effort we've seen this year. I know that it got dicey late, but they were pretty thin at the D-tackle position, which was part of it, and the time of possession was heavily tilted to North Carolina, and they still hung on, got points out of the defense. And the special teams, by the way, I mean, that's five block kicks through five football games, Keith. That's that's hearkening back to, to, the, to the early Bowden years when FSU was known for blocking kicks like that. We're, we're going to have to get Joe Wessel on the show uh, for those that have been around long enough to know that uh, Wessel blocked, I think, seven kicks in one season for Florida State in the early 80s. But, yeah, you're right. And as Coach Norvell's talked about, it takes all three phases. And this time, in this particular game, uh, you could make the big argument that uh, that punt block got things going for Florida State. And of course, Travis did a great job on the first play afterwards to get in the end zone. Mike Norvell, his first ACC win. He also got to do the honors. Uh, coach Storms, the strength coach, handed him the hammer to break the rock. So uh, well-deserved for Mike Norvell, a, a good game plan. And uh, despite the, uh, the less-than-perfect finish, Florida State still gets the victory. Let's let him – describe the win and uh, we'll listen in and then we'll we'll come back with some more here's coach Norvell after his first ACC win you know so very proud of our football team um we talked to him all week about just uh you know continuing to prepare to continuing to push uh you know there's been there's been plenty of adversity that has shown up uh you know throughout this uh this year throughout the course of the early part of the season uh but these guys you know they believe in what we're doing and you know coming off of, coming off of last week we saw moments. We saw flashes. We saw a team that was that was playing harder. Um, you know, really trying to work to play play together. And uh, you know, this week we challenged throughout the course of, of the week is that we we needed to see that consistency show up. And uh, I thought this was our best week of preparation. Um, you know, obviously, you know, to go out there against a top five opponent. Um, I thought we we started incredibly fast. Uh, you know, our guys had tremendous energy, really, you know, fueling off of uh, off of each other, both sides of the ball. And then how about special teams showing up big? You know, two block punts. You know, I thought really uh you you set the uh you uh, you set the standard of, of how we wanted to play and how aggressive we wanted to be um you know you obviously uh you're going into halftime um you know just continue to talk to you guys we knew a run was coming yeah, that was good that was something that uh, uh you know when you're playing a, when you're playing a good team i mean that they're they're gonna make plays and you know we just wanted to to make sure that uh you know, we stay focused on the one play that was in front of us uh you we still have have a long way to go still have a lot of mistakes that, that showed up uh some things that uh you know we gotta we gotta show show you know poise and control in in every situation i thought i thought we we had some you know, some foolish things there in the, in the second half that, that we're gonna get cleaned up but um you know it went down to the last play and our guys were given everything that they have and and I'm so honored uh, to have the opportunity to coach this group and to see the response that they have because it's been challenging it's been challenging in every aspect and um, you know they they just continue to respond and, and really proud of of, uh, to, uh, of those guys and to see that reaction and to see them in the locker room the celebrations uh, that was uh, was pretty special and so with that I'll go ahead and take questions 
has there been any time, you know, after maybe after the mining loss, that you wondered whether or not these guys were totally bought in, or have you noticed from the I mean, the, the the best way you can see buy-in is is by response, and um, you know we 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 push our guys in practice, we push them in meetings, you know, from uh, in, in every in everything that we do, we want them to be the best version of themselves, and you know we're still growing, we're still learning, uh, you know, we're still uh, adapting to to the to the expectations and the standard of what we're what we're going to require in in all aspects, and that's that's where I I know they're buying in because I see their response. So you know, obviously we're not perfect, we still make mistakes. We're, you know, we're a, we're a work in progress. But when you get a chance to see uh, growth, when you see improvement, when you see investment, um, you know, this this isn't for everybody. You know, we've had some guys that, that have, have chose other things, but the, but the guys that are here are continuing to work and they're continuing to to, to to try to be the best version of themselves in in all aspects of their lives. And, and that's what tonight's about. And that's that. That is truly what what you do it for. And to, to see the joy that was on their face, and uh, just knowing knowing how hard uh, you know that you know that they have that they have been been pushing to, to be able to get that opportunity, uh, it was pretty special. Hey Mike, with, with that in mind, can you walk us through uh, when the game ends, like walking onto the, the field and the power is back, and guys come out hugging and then go into the locker room too? Just what that's like for you as a coach to see that all unfold in that moment. Um, you know, there's no, really no words for it. It was, it's, it's so special because, you know, since December 8th, uh, the first time I walked into that, in, in, into that meeting room with, with my team and, and this group, um, you know, the, it's, it's been every, every moment, you know, we've tried to, to grow and improve, uh, just to, to believing in what was coming. And, you know, at the end of the day, you know, I tell, I tell our guys that, you know, the, the, the ultimate objective with, with every uh, opportunity that you get is just to try to go out and be the best you. And uh, you know, to, be, to see their celebrations, to see, to, to see the joy, uh, to know that, um, you know, with, stacked against, you know, all odds. There's not many people I don't, I don't think gave us a, gave us a chance tonight, um, but, uh, you know, they didn't, they didn't worry about what other, uh, you know, other people you know, thought of them. They didn't think about, uh, you know, any of the limitations that they could be put out in front of them. They just, they just went out and played their game. And. Uh, you know, like I said, there's still a lot of things that we're going to c- continue to clean up and continue to grow in. But uh, tonight was about these guys. It was their moment, and, and they definitely deserve the victory uh, for how they prepared and, and, and how they responded to all that they're asked to do. Mike, it's been so long since this team found a way to win a game in the fourth quarter. What do you think a win like this, knowing that they were able to hold on for a win in the fourth, can just do for – the confidence of this team. Uh, it, it means everything. Um, you know, I, I think that we're going to be able to learn a lot from the film that we get to, get to watch tomorrow, and uh, you know, obviously the experience that we have. But these guys finished, and that's something that uh, that is so critical. It's one of the core. It's one of the core uh, values of our, our program and what we want to be. We want to be a group that's known as finishers. We want to finish academically. We want to finish, uh, you know, uh, in, in every aspect of, of what's in front of us. You know, and that's where um, you know the the, the constant push the constant challenge and you know even you know every everybody feels it you know when you when you get a sense of momentum swinging one way or the other uh, you know you've got to truly rely on your training and uh, you know that's why I called the entire team up in the fourth quarter and uh, you kind of had a smile on my face and I said guys this is this is where you rely on what you do I go at, at the end. Of, I can't tell you what this fourth quarter is going to look like. I mean, you go out there and you play the next play. You give everything that you have. You maximize your your, your effort in this opportunity. And uh, you know they did that. And uh, we found a, found a, found a way to be one play better. And uh, you know once again, so proud of them. And I think it's going to be it's going to be uh, monumental for us to continue to grow and build off of this example.
Mike Norvell talks a lot about climb, Keith, and I think that's the good thing. You can always you can always grow when you show guys the tape, and you can always make improvements. But you'd rather do it after a win, and for them to win that game against a team that was I, I, going back to my first point. I, I think the, the you know the number five rankings probably a little inflated. Not everybody's being ranked right now, and that was a North Carolina team that even though it's improved a lot, was a six or seven win team last year. That said, it's as good an offense as there is. It's almost as good as Clemson's. I mean, it, it's up there. And um, I, I just think you there, there's a lot you can build upon from that. There's still mistakes, way too many penalties. But if you clean that up, you can be a decent football team. All you have to do is listen to Coach Norvell's voice, uh, the animation and the excitement of him answering the questions. And for those that had a chance to actually see that video – uh, we've just got obviously got the audio, but if you could see the video, you would actually see him smiling when questions were being asked in anticipation of answering the question. This was a huge win for the staff. You know, the kids may not appreciate it just yet. I mean, they're going to be excited because they want a ball game, but in terms of its importance and its significance, uh, you know, and all the things that Florida State's been through the last four or five years, the coaching staff understands it, and I think more than anything, Coach Norvell appreciates uh, how big this win was, and it was evident to me, and it showed. 31-28, the final, FSU beats UNC. Did you see the stats on this, Keith? I think I've got this right. First win over a top-five team since they beat Notre Dame in 2014. First win over a top-five team as an unranked team since 2007 which they, when they beat Matt Ryan. And the first win over a top five team as an unranked team at home since somewhere in the 1960s. So, I mean, it doesn't happen very now. Granted, Florida State's been ranked a lot of the time, which is part of the reason that they haven't done it. But uh, nevertheless, that was some history and a nice first win for Mike Norvell. All right, we go on offense or defense when we come back, Keith? Let's go defense again. Defense give them, again. Give them some love. We're going to give them some love. Defense uh, will bat first when we come back. This is Front Row Knowles' first look. Front Row Knowles' first look is presented by Hobson Chevrolet in Cairo, Georgia. Get your best deal the Hobson way. Here's Tom and Keith. Welcome back. Florida State wins at 31-28. This is Front Row Knowles' first look. It's just what it sounds like. <clears throat> As I'm talking to Keith, it's 1.18 in the morning on Sunday. I don't know when you're listening, but that's what time we're recording this. So we have watched tape, Keith. Uh, you said you wanted to go defense first, so I'll give you the floor and let you make your uh, initial opening comment, if you will. Well, in the perfect world, you win the toss, you defer. You kick off, you hold the opponent, you make them punt. Florida State played a perfect first two minutes, two and a half minutes. Then the, the, the best thing you can do is return the punt for a touchdown if you field it. The second best thing you can do is block it and probably return it. So maybe the third best thing is just block it. But when you block it and then you score on the first offensive play afterwards, I mean, that, that is a momentum. You, you can't imagine how big that is for both sides of the ball and how it propels a team. Well, all you got to do is look at that game. Florida State ended up putting up 31 points in the first half of that contest. That was huge. And Coach Norvell had talked about, uh, Jimbo had talked about, uh, Coach Bowden had always talked about that you've got to make some plays in the kicking game, and it all started with that uh, block punt and set Florida State up really, really well, and I consider that a defensive play. 
This is going to be an obscure reference, Keith, that uh, our listeners as, as big-time FSU fans will remember. But that sequence, different circumstances, this isn't a, a top-five FSU team by any stretch. It reminded me of the 1989 Miami game. Again, full house. Leroy Butler picks off Gino Toretta, and the next play, Dexter Carter runs around the left end for a touchdown in back-to-back plays. And so you had the punt block there, which gives you momentum. And then the very next play – the quarterback gets in the end zone. That was the, that's what went through my head, even though yep. circumstances, not a full stadium. So looking at the drive chart, Keith, North Carolina, first of all, they only punted three times last week against Virginia tech. FSU made them punt the first four drives. Correct. By the way, coming into this game, they had played 12 quarters of football. North Carolina had only been held scoreless in one quarter out of the 12. And that was the second quarter of game one. So they had scored in 10 straight quarters and FSU holds them to a goose egg. I mean, you couldn't ask for a better start defensively. Not at all. And, and a couple of things stood out or, or began to stand out about that. Number one, Florida State finally got some pressure on the quarterback. They would end up the ball game with four sacks on Howell, but they made his life a little bit uncomfortable the majority of the game. And some of that was just rushing four. Now, I thought they did a very good job, and they got beat a couple of times, but I thought they did a very good job dialing up different pressures uh, with the corners, with the linebackers, uh, memory serves, even a safety every now and then. Uh, And as I mentioned, they did get burned a couple of times on it, but this was as good a game as we've seen so far with uh, Florida State pressuring the quarterback and making him get off of his mark and or make bad decisions. Now, the bad decisions that someone like a Sam Howell makes doesn't get him in much trouble. Uh, the one pass that I know he wants to have back is the one that Cadeno picked off. But uh, if you take that type of pressure against a quarterback that doesn't have the mobility that Howell has, you've really dialed up a good game plan. Let's give some credit to the defensive ends. They've been much maligned this year, and the defensive line as a whole – Kando has the pick six. Uh, Jay Rob, Janaris Robinson has three tackles for loss, including two sacks. I thought Marvin played his best game. He had six tackles, but he was a factor in this game, particularly considering their defensive tackle depth was not where it normally is. They were down three of their top five D tackles, so their rotation was not the normal rotation. Well, they were playing a kid that had opted out and opted back in, didn't it? Didn't they? So normally – you would have had – so they – Corey Durden went out for targeting right before half, so they missed him in the second half. But but True Thompson, who's basically your fifth defensive tackle, he wasn't available, and neither was Fabian Lovett, who's in the top four. So once Durden went out, you only had Wilson and Cooper. And, yes, to your point, Dennis Briggs Jr., I think they Coach Norvell said they talked to him on Sunday. They had talked to him within the last couple of weeks, and then given their depth situation, they called him again and said, hey – I don't know that he practiced until this week, and he went in and played significant snaps. I mean, that's a pretty miraculous story. It very much is. Very much is. And, uh, and, and not only played significant snaps, I thought played pretty darn well. What do you think about the Kando play? It was uh, a very heady very, – it was a football player making a football play. Uh, he, he saw the back skating out. He broke off his rush. He cut underneath it. Now, if Howell gets the ball over his head, 
you know, he probably can't run back, run down a faster back, but the mere fact that he recognized it and made an adjustment to it uh, was just a great football play. And uh, I, I was just, I was just so pleased. And the television uh, folks ran it back several different times from several different angles. And uh, he, he looked like a wide receiver going after the ball. It was, he snatched it out of the air and knew exactly what to do with it. A couple of changes for the defense, most notably Stephen Dix Jr., who led the team in tackles with uh, nine. Uh, he got the start instead of Leonard Warner. Now, I know yes, he, he did, but he's a better athlete than Leonard Warner. And so you're going to let him make some mistakes there. Uh, Jaden Lars would be had uh, eight tackles in this game. You know, he's not been special at the safety position, but uh, he, he made a really nice play, I think, on a third down throw where he broke up a pass early in the game. Uh, and it was good to have Travis Jay back, too. I mean, we didn't see him in the return game, really, but he had seven tackles. So, uh, it, they, they had while they were missing some D tackles, they did have some other parts and pieces out there. They did. And, and again, hats off to the staff for having the courage to play the young kids, specifically starting Dicks. Uh, he, he had a couple of nice plays. He had a couple of busts, uh, and they were evident when they'll see them when you go back and, and rerun the tape. But, again, that's the best teaching tool is to run that tape with you in it, not someone else, but you doing something incorrectly. That's the easiest way to get that changed. Uh, and, yeah, there were a lot of other young kids getting an opportunity to play. I think there were 28 or 29 defensive players that recorded a tackle. Uh, that might be a little, little much, but there were a bunch on that, uh, on that tackle chart. They were as you as you go to the second half, Keith. Now the the time of possession, even in the first half, it was like two to one in favor of Carolina. And time of possession isn't isn't everything, but given the rotation up front, I mean that that was going to be a tired defense as the game wore on. So they were they were holding on for dear life. They were very aggressive though. I mean, you talked about the blitzes. Jarvis Brownlee was coming on a, as Gene calls them, a cat blitz, a corner blitz, an awful lot. Uh, and they were they were there were times when they sent six. They were sending a linebacker in him, and it de- it definitely did affect Hal. I mean, they moved him around. There was one particular play. There were actually two particular plays in the second half. One of them, Florida State ended up. You know, we've talked about walking the corners up and then backing them off, and you know, trying to disguise things to make the quarterback have to think. Well, Florida State showed their hand on a blitz early, and Hal caught it. And, and completed a pass down the right side of the offense. This little line. But there was another play in there, and, and I'd love to see it on tape, but where they were going to go with the cat blitz, and I'm assuming it was Adam. I don't know what coach it was on the side, but you can see from the television view where he had the safety in the corner switch assignments. And the safety ended up blitzing, and the corner dropped off. I don't even know if the other nine kids knew that's what was happening, but they were able to make those kinds of adjustments. And that will only get better as these defensive kids get comfortable in this defensive scheme. Uh, but yes, very, very creative, very creative. All in all, when you look at this, I mean, that's a really good offense. It wound up North Carolina did with 558 total yards of offense, but they were two of 11 on third down. And 0 of 3 on fourth down. Was, 0 of 3, correct. Yeah, there were some big fourth down stops in there, including at the end of the game. 
and they ran 26 more plays than Florida State did. They ran 81 offensive snaps. That is just a lot of time to have to be defending. And, yeah, we, we casually and, and somewhat humorously talked about we're not going to bring up the drop passes on that last drive. There were some drops. But uh, when, when you win a ball game against an offense of this caliber uh, and you make the stops when you need to make the stops, uh, you can feel good about yourself. Yeah, it's a lot of yards. It's a lot of points. But, you know, welcome to 2020. Keith, it's not a great North Carolina defense, but it's not a great FSU offense either. There's nobody in their right mind that would have predicted that FSU would average more yards per play by a full yard than Carolina, convert a better percentage of third downs, have more sacks, and more tackles for loss. And that's what happened in that game. Or average about nine yards per rush. Did I read that correctly? Uh, I don't know if it was nine they wound up with, but it was pretty good. 6.7 yards per rush to 4.1 for Carolina. Uh, maybe I was just thinking about Webb. Maybe LeDamian yeah. averaged nine yards per carry. No, we had two, two backs over 100 yards rushing. Obviously, one of those uh, was Travis. Um, only threw for 191 yards through the air. Uh, only completed eight passes. But the passes that he completed were big ones. They averaged about 24 yards per completion, which you can win a lot of ball games doing that. 31-28, hats off to the defense. Florida State gets a win. We'll come back, talk offense right after this. We're only halfway home on Front Row Knowles' first look. Front Row Knowles' first look is presented by Hobson Chevrolet in Cairo, Georgia. Get your best deal the Hobson way. Here's Tom and Keith. Welcome back to Front Row Knowles. First look, this show comes your way every Sunday morning, every Monday night at 6 right here on ESPN Tallahassee. Keith, let's talk some offense. Uh, you can't do much better than the first play of the game. You go 23 yards for a touchdown. But really, I, I know the second half, and we'll get to it. You couldn't ask for a better first half. I mean, you get that touchdown. You knew they, they knew going in that North Carolina was incredibly aggressive defensively, which means they were going to have some one-on-one opportunities. And for them to connect on a few of them without Tamari and Terry, I mean, for all games to Tamari and Terry to go out, this was the one where he was going to have a lot of one-on-one opportunities. He's not there, and they still managed to hit a couple big shots. Two things stood out to me. Number one, several of – well, a handful of passes Jordan was able to complete in the pocket. Now, granted, some of his bigger plays were, you know, when he was rolling out. But that's the second point. We talked last week about scramble drill and how the receivers have to learn what to do when. Uh, The touchdown throw to Cam was a perfect example of that because he had run a, a crossing route and was moving left to right when Travis was rolling out to the right. Well, he planted and came back to the left. And, and ran himself open. I mean, so open he caught the ball on his knees. You know, there wasn't anywhere around him. The receivers learning how to adjust to that when, when the quarterback does get out of the pocket has something that they've worked on and it showed. Uh, again, he only completed – Travis only completed eight passes. Uh, that, that in that sense is a little disconcerting. He was eight of 19 for the game. But I liked what I saw – when they were successful in the passing game. 
And then, you know, LaDamian, I mean, there's just something about him. They talked about uh, in the Notre Dame game, the televised version uh, talked about how both of Notre Dame's running backs were always headed upfield. You know, you didn't knock them back, the old term we used to use. Well, Webb's like that. I mean, he is getting two and three and four yards at the tail end of runs just because he getting two or three or four yards. He, he just don't, doesn't quit. He's got a low center of gravity. He's only 5'8", and really good balance. And he's stronger than you'd think he would be. And he, he delivers a punch. Uh, I mean, you you, you, you got to uh, be prepared. And, and on the long run, I don't know if y'all picked up on it, but did you see who threw a block for him 30 yards downfield? Yeah, Jordan Travis did. And uh, I don't know which of the – was it on uh, – I don't know if it was Wilson or, or another receiver, but Webb saw them from his peripheral vision and slowed up just a hair and allowed the receiver to actually outrun him and get down there and create a little bit of uh, interference. We talked about Kando's play and how that was a football play, just an instinctive play. That was a very instinctive run by Webb. Um, now, he didn't score. He'd love to. But uh, just the way he set that up, the cuts that he made, and the help that he got downfield, that was very encouraging in my, my view. I'm going to look back at the notes that I take during the game here. So the first drive, Jordan Travis scores on the first play of the game offensively for FSU. Uh, the second drive, they had a second and four, and Ontario Wilson dropped the ball, so they ended up punting there. Uh, third drive, if you recall, it was an incomplete. Looked like Jordan threw a slant, and Warren Thompson uh, ran a hook or something. It was the wrong pattern, and, and Thompson was the guilty party there, so FSU punted. Uh, the fourth drive, okay, here's what I wanted to get to, Keith. Fourth drive, they're on their goal line. Out of nowhere – Let's go ahead and throw a pass from the shadows of our goal line to a walk-on tight end that nobody's heard of for 36 yards. I mean, that was pretty impressive. I mean, it was well-designed. I mean, they sold it as a quarterback sweep almost, and then it turns into a pop pass. Yep. And um, and no one with a bigger smile on his face than that walk-on uh, and his teammates when he got over to the sideline. Very, very well-designed play. That's Preston Daniel. Uh, so that was that was something, and I'm let me continue to look. So that was well, that was the same drive where they they hit the 60. Well, it turned into a 58 yard catch for Ontario Wilson since he stepped out, um, which that was pretty big because they ended up settling for a field goal there. They didn't score from first and goal at the four. Uh, one of the things there was a, there was a penalty there. You know, I hate to I hate to go to the penalties, but. Florida State shot itself in the foot an awful lot in this football game. Offensively, there were several times, including that first drive of the third quarter, Keith. Yes. 15-yard penalty. You go from what would have been second and goal at the three to second and goal at the 21. That almost cost you the football game, that one personal foul alone. And and there were still some procedure plays, people jumping offside. Uh, that particular play you're talking about, uh, the, unfortunately, television had a great replay of it. And – it was just bad. I mean, it, you, you, folks have got to learn to maintain their poise 
and when you lose your poise, bad things happen. Um, it, it was just unfortunate. But again, they found a way to overcome those things. Uh, you know, disappointed in the two missed field goals. That's going to happen occasionally, but uh, Carolina missed one as well. Um, you know, I, I just like the continued improvement on the offensive side. Uh, I sure hate the, the, the toll and the hits that Travis is taking, but um, hopefully that'll diminish as they get a little more better at what they're doing. How about – so you get the Kando pick six. It's 24 nothing. Carolina scores with about a minute left in the half. And Florida State proceeds to go 75 yards in 45 seconds to get that touchdown right back. I want to ask you game strategy. So there was a penalty on Florida State. I guess that's the play where Robert Cooper hit the kicker, and a 15-yard penalty gets assessed. So the North Carolina kicks off from midfield. Right. But they just kick it into the end zone for a touchback. I mean, if ever you were going to squib kick or do something, it seems like you'd do it there. No, they just gave the ball to FSU at the 25. And 75 yards in less than a minute in that situation, that was pretty big time for FSU. And that's well, what culminated with the touchdown to Cam McDonald. And think about this. Norvell, did, did they call one or two timeouts when Carolina was in the red zone? I mean, th- at least that, one. That, yeah. was, that was a design and a thought process that, all right, if, if Carolina scores, whether they score a touchdown or a field goal, we want some time left on the clock. Because, and we'll go back to Jimbo's time, you know, you want to win the last two minutes of the first half and the first four minutes of the second half. And that's exactly what they did, save not getting any points out of that drive to begin the third quarter. Yeah, so we comment on that. The second drive of the third quarter, Florida State was backed up, you know, on its own six. Uh, and then Jordan lost three, so they were on their, operating on their three-yard line. They hit that great nine route to Keyshawn Helton where he was just out of bounds. And I'll tell you what, when we looked at the TV replay, I thought it was really close. I thought his left heel or one of the – a heel might have hit before his hand hit out of bounds. That was going to get him out of, uh, you know, precipitous territory. But, alas, they they didn't allow the catch. Yeah. Um, From what I saw, I I thought it was a good reversal uh, because that left hand did come down, I thought. But what a great catch just to, to maintain possession of the ball and that type of thing. And back to uh, what we've talked about for uh, however many years we've been doing this, it is a game of inches, is it not? <laughs> no question. Well, then, I, you know, the only drive I'd really be critical of was the drive after that, which Florida State ran three straight times and, and got eight yards and punted. Webb, Webb, and then Travis kept it on a draw. And I thought, I know they're trying to run clock, but you also have to balance winning the football game. Are you being too conservative? So the next drive, they 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 go, they roll Travis out, and that's when he throws the interception. I thought, well, that's the flip side. You know, now you're being a little more aggressive, and you and you turn the ball over. Did you think uh, some of it was field position? What did you? And some of it may have been that Jordan Travis wasn't 100 percent there for some of the second half. What did you think about the way they managed the game offensively in the second half? I thought that um, there were a couple of times when they, they did get out of rhythm. And, you, you know, you and I have talked about this a lot. When you go tempo, and Florida State's not a huge tempo team the way some are, but when you start slowing down, 
uh, you get yourself out of your own rhythm. Uh, the best analogy where we're getting close to the World Series, you know, is a pitcher that, you know, can't find the strike zone, so he's taking more time between pitches versus a pitcher that, you know, is throwing well. You know, he wants to get the ball. He wants to get the sign. He wants to stay in rhythm and get the ball delivered to the plate. When you start doing things that are different than what you've been doing, unfortunately, more times than not, that ends up being a negative. Later in the game, the, uh, the drive that wound up with the missed field goal. So, I mean, that's two opportunities, two missed field goals. But honestly, the first drive should have been a touchdown. This one could have been. They were at third and three, and they had moved Travis to receiver. They had Corbin as the Wildcat quarterback, and a false start's called. And, and I think the false start was on the left side of the line, and Corbin was running to the right, and he was going to get the first down. Yes. Now it goes to third and eight, and they, they run the same play. They have to settle for the field goal. I think if it's fourth and two or three, I don't think Norvell's trying that field goal right there. And that t- it was a 10 point game. I think he's, he's going for the jugular and, and, and because the field goal, two touchdowns still beats you, but because it was fourth and eight, he kind of begrudgingly said, well, we got to kick the field goal. And then it was no good. Well, and then you got to go back and think about why, why did they go to the wildcat? That was when Jordan was having problems with that left arm and that left shoulder and Norvell, intimated he didn't directly answer that question post game but he intimated that they were having to do some things to try to protect him a little bit uh and i'm pretty sure corbin is not who they want in there running the wildcat that's more of a web type of uh situation but kenny felt like he had to protect him a little bit although corbin's run it earlier this year you know corbin is he started the year as the starting tailback and he's uh, he's not that now as Webb has moved up. But Corbin has, Corbin doesn't have a lot of make you miss, but he's gotten the tough yard. So they've used him in that role. Anyway, bottom line, Florida State uh, gets the win. We'll take it, right? I mean, yes. number five team in the country. And uh, the moment you've all been waiting for, you'll have to go to listen uh, through the break. But Keith's going to let us know who the uh, had the prime meridian bank performance of the game when we come back. Am I right? You are right. I'm on the edge of my seat, KJ. Front Row Knowles <laughs> continues after this. Front Row Knowles' first look is presented by Hobson Chevrolet in Cairo, Georgia. Get your best deal the Hobson way. Here's Tom and Keith. Back on Front Row Knowles' first look, Tom Block, Keith Jones with you. All right, KJ, spill the beans because you and I didn't talk about this. The uh, who, who is the performer of the game? Well, the primary performer of the game. I'm going to go with Josh Kingdo. I was so pleased both in terms of his football play as well as a kid that's come off the injury from last year. I thought he had a tremendous ball game. He capped uh, off uh, the performance of the game with that uh, interception, that pick six, just a great play. And, of course, the performance of the game is brought to you by Prime Meridian Bank, two locations in Tallahassee, Timberlane, and Capital Circle Northeast. They've got locations in Crawfordville and Lakeland business loans, personal checking, business checking, uh, home equity lines. They got it all. You can reach them at 907-2300 or check them out on the web at trymybank.com. Primary Bank, member FDIC, equal opportunity lender. I talked to Josh Kando game and asked him when was the last time he scored a touchdown, and he said 10th grade. Wow. I found a little shocking because I figured he was probably a two-way guy at at that height that was making a living as a tight end catching some, but uh, apparently not. So 10th grade and uh, man, that was, 
that was the biggest jaw-dropping moment of the night, I think. 17 nothing was one thing. You're waiting for North Carolina to come back, and then that happens, and you get it to 24-zip. And I mean, it was, it was loud at, at Doak Campbell, and credit to the fans who were there. But it was, it was one of those jaw-dropping, did that really just – is it really 24 nothing? I mean, I, it was shocking. I, I think many of us were, were, you know, the proverbial pension ourselves. Are we really seeing what we're seeing? Uh, because this is the type of uh, performance explosiveness that we've all gotten used to uh, that, you know, has been happening at Dope Campbell Stadium for 40-something years now since Coach Bowden's arrival. And to be fair, happened during the Peterson era back in the late 60s. They would jump out on uh, teams real quickly with their – uh, air, uh, throwing the ball down the field. Uh, but there was also, and I'm sure this occurred to the staff and the players as well, there was also that, uh-oh, what if? Uh-oh, what if? And I think some of that would also explain why the third quarter didn't quite go as well as, as hoped. Uh, because you and I have talked about, you've got to learn how to win. You've also got to learn how to play with a lead. And, and usually, and most every coach will tell you, teams only learn how to do that through experience. And certainly Florida State hadn't been playing with a lead much of late. Uh, that's another different skill set. Well, that's why I think it's, it goes back to what we talked about earlier. Uh, you'd much rather make some corrections when you're watching winning game tape. And, and the confidence, I don't – I don't know that we can truly measure the significance of that win and forget the fact that you could look at it and say North Carolina lost the game, FSU didn't win it. That's not the way FSU is going to look at it. Not FSU at all. To take that win. And, I, I, I mean, I, it, it honestly could take them. You talk about climbing. It could take them from one level up another level simply because they now have some confidence and believe they can close out a game. Agreed. And, you know – our job, certainly the coaching staff, and please don't let the players be quote-unquote looking ahead, but you do have a couple of three games coming up that are games that at least on paper, even if you hadn't won the North Carolina game, you would say, I, I think we might have a chance in this one. Uh, and so you've got the ability to start stringing a little bit of things together. And, of course, winning breeds winning, and winning brings confidence and if you can do that, uh, you've still got, you know, Clemson on the horizon down the road and, and some other teams that, you know, let's be fair, probably will be favored. But you've got a chance, given this momentum, to really parlay it into something that might be significant for the 2020 season. Hey, the way this year started, Keith, if you can get a win against Louisville next week and get to 3-3 three and three and then have your bye week, I don't think you can argue much, especially and, – and regardless of whether that happens or not, you can't have watched FSU football play from whenever we started the season, September 12th to now, and not see that they have improved. I mean, there has been improvement on this football team. And there's been consistent improvement. They've gotten better every week. And yeah. the offense has gotten better every week. And the defense has gotten better every week. And the kicking game's gotten better every week. Um Save for, know, the, save for the field goal kicking. We may have a, we may have a new next week. Well, uh, okay, I'll grant you that one. Uh, <laughs> but I thought, I mean, you know, Alex did a good job punting. He averaged 42 uh, a kick, and there were no returns. Um, 
so we'll we'll just hope you know Ryan finds himself, as they say. Let's give some credit to John Papuchis, Coach JP. He's he's coached a lot of different places, like most coaches. But he he was at North Carolina for a little bit too, and uh, he found a little something. Apparently, he told the TV crew in their meeting, the, the TV crew, the TV announcers always meet with the coach and the coordinators. He, he said he he was confident, or, or he thought they could get a punt block, and lo and behold, they got two. So they, I mean, they, they saw something and and they capitalized. If you if you go back and look at the tape, uh, it was a design. Well thought out. I mean, they, they almost bait. You could say they baited North Carolina because it's very hard to punt block when you have those three personal protectors back there. But the way it was drawn up, they, they actually drew those personal protectors away just a little bit and then came from the backside. Uh, so that was, that was a very interesting and well-conceived uh, attack. So next up is Louisville. It'll be a 12 noon game. I don't know how many fans are going to Louisville games, but I know it's not going to be a full house. And, and candidly, Florida State has beaten Louisville the last couple of years. I, I will say that before the North Carolina game kicked, when I saw that Louisville played a one-score game at Notre Dame and held only 12 points, I thought, hmm, maybe I shouldn't be too excited about how we played at Notre Dame last week. But you really can't carry it over, I guess, one week to the next. Every game's different. And uh, I, I think more than anything, FSU who gets right back on the practice field on Sundays, if you don't know that, you know, back in the Bowden days, they used to take Sunday off and, would, and wouldn't practice till Monday night. Uh, a lot more teams practice the next day immediately to just kind of get guys loose again. Right. FSU's off day is actually Monday now. But, uh, I mean, this is a big opportunity for them. And I, I think the, the, the biggest challenge may be, hey, we got to dial back in, guys. One win, that does you no good next week. You better you better wipe the system, wipe the slate, and get back to work. For those that have been around for a while, um, my one and, and lasting recollection of Louisville is one uh, Thomas William Block having to be on the sidelines when it rained enough to float Noah's Ark. That'll be my one one everlasting memory of being at Louisville. You're going to make me tell the story again, but that was 2002. That was the game they lost in overtime. Chris Rick's the quarterback. Whatever hurricane it was, maybe Hurricane Georgia's or something had moved. Ah. And it was pouring in the first quarter, and it rained harder in the second, and still harder in the third, and harder in the fourth. And it's the only time, Keith, in all my years of being on the sideline, but I actually got back to the hotel, and I didn't even bother packing the clothes. I just threw the shoes I was wearing that night. I just threw them out with the saw. I was like, "These are done. See ya." <laughs> Which was appropriate for that night, and we can't end the show on that moment because that was not a memorable night, Keith. So let's go back to this one. Uh, I'm happy for I'm happy for Mike Norvell and the staff. They've they've been through a lot. I mean, honestly. He's only five games into his FSU coaching career, and it feels like about four years with all the things that have transpired since he became head coach. And yet here we are. We're not even technically halfway through the season. There's still six games left. So, uh, I mean, that's a big win for him. Very big win, uh, and I think it will get uh, some people's attention. Uh, I think it will get some coaching staff's attention, i.e. Florida State's future opponents, because they'll start seeing – 
some of the things that this staff is doing from a creative standpoint that uh, are very impressive. And if they can continue the execution of that and continue to expand that playbook a little bit, uh, this could be, end up being a very dynamic Florida State team on both sides of the ball. So FSU gets a win over a top five team. Keith, I think we've done all we can do for right now. Well, we did our part. We got them the win. We'll take full credit for it, and it's everybody else's fault when we lose. Exactly right. He's Keith. I'm Tom. We'll be back on Wednesday. Have a great night, everybody. Great day, great night, whatever it is, whenever you're listening. Make it a good one.